Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon. And uh, guys, I'm joined today by a really unique guest that I'm happy to introduce to you guys. Uh, His name is uh, Chris Swartz. He is the managing partner of First Choice Mortgage Advisors and also the host of the Fuel podcast. So uh, a kindred spirit there as a podcast host. Chris, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? Good. What's up, Sam? How are you? Man, I am better than I deserve. Just uh, taking a page out of Dave Ramsey's book there. Man, it's uh, it's got some good weather down in Texas today. Everybody's happy. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the show, man. I'm uh, I've been uh, been wanting to get you on for a while. So you are the uh, the managing partner of First Choice Mortgage Advisors, and you also host your own Fuel podcast, man. So that's that's pretty cool. Tell us a little bit about first off about your journey in the uh, in the mortgage business. Did you uh, did you wake up uh, knowing you wanted to be an entrepreneur, or was it just something you kind of fell into along the way? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely. I guess from, from a young age, first of all, you know, thanks so much for having me on the show. I've been looking forward to, to jumping on here. I'm glad we are able to, to sync up our schedules here. And, um, you know, so I really yeah. appreciate the opportunity. Hey, but, no problem. Yeah. Man. I know we've been trying a while to get this cooking. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, as far as my, my journey, uh, you know, I, I would say consciously did I know I wanted to be an entrepreneur right away. Uh, no, but uh, subconsciously, I guess I would have to say yes, because, um, you know, my journey was, you know, just kind of being raised uh, by a single mother who just really worked her ass off. I, I watched her, you know, work two, three jobs to, to make ends meet for mm-hmm. my sister and I and really like just watch that hustle. Um, and, and it was like no matter what it was like, you know, she didn't have the most glamorous jobs or like things, but it was like piecing, you know, bits and pieces of two, three different jobs together to just like, make sure that we had, we, you know, we were, we had what we needed, right. We weren't, we were poor, but like, we didn't mm-hmm. know we were poor. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Dude, we, <laughs> right? it's, it's, yeah. Pretty similar here, you know, broke, but happy. Right. You, you don't quite, yeah, exactly. You don't like, it. you know, like, you, you, you know, the, the, the coolest, you know, whatever it was back in the day, you know, I don't want to date myself too much, but you know, Nintendo <laughs> or, you know, what it might've been the, might've been the tail end of Atari, you know, like whatever those things were. For me it was like, like Bigfoot, man. It was that Bigfoot, uh, little toy, toy monster truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like those things showed up, so it was cool, but I watched, you know, I watched mom just, just kind of hustle. And, um, you know, so from an early age, I, I was just programmed to like, Hey, this is what you do. You want something, you just go, you figure out a way to make it happen. So like from an entrepreneur standpoint, you know, I, I could literally think of, Oh shit. I don't even know, maybe like seven, eight years old, you know, just everything I could do to like make money, which was like, I was wired as an entrepreneur, obviously didn't know it at the time from, you know, in my area here, we're, in uh, just outside Philadelphia here in the Northeast, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had these like little papers that I think you, you, you know, you, you deliver that everybody probably hated to get we call them the town talk. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless you were of a, a certain, maybe retired age demographic at the time, these things were just like a nuisance, but you know, I'd load up the wagon, I'd hit the town and uh, you know, start to do those things and then graduated mm-hmm. to like a real paper route 
See, cutting the, grass. We, dude, when we did the when we did the the free newspapers, um, I think Mitch Hedberg when he said said it best said I had to deliver to five hundred houses or two dumpsters. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want to get myself in trouble. There might have been a dumpster run every now and again. I think the know? statute of limitations has expired on, on our paper routes because it's it's the same as you know the same as I did. I mean, I I came up doing the paper routes, um, but yeah. So you mowed yards too, huh? Mowed yards, dude. I remember, you know, again, you know, shoveling snow. Like I'd come home, you know, eight. I mean, literally, I'm not even talking a teenager. I mean, I'm talking like eight, nine, ten years old. Like stuff that, you know, I have two, two daughters now, and um, you know, these these kids don't even, you know, they're like I couldn't imagine them doing what I did. Like, right. Um, so you know, but I was out there and I'd come home with like a wad of cash. You know, like you know, a couple hundred bucks or you know, a hundred bucks, whatever it was at the time, and mm-hmm. um you know, so that just kind of like grew. It was like, okay, you know, you, you, you just work hard, you get what you want. And, and ever since then, you know, so that's, that's kind of been my mindset and, and my driving motivation. So I don't know that there was a, there was a point where I realized, Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur as opposed to a point where I just realized, well, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, so, it was, for me, it was dividing the, uh, the, the number of, uh, seconds in a minute and figuring out how much money I was getting paid per second to stand at the counter in the uh, deli. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to be here for, for this much. But uh, always, <laughs> once you've once you've delivered papers and once you've uh, hustled and mowed yards, you figure there's a better way than uh, than hourly. So uh, did you go to college, do any of the degree stuff, or did you just start, start straight out? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I went to college. I had my associate's degree in computer network engineering. Oh, wow. uh, yep. And, um, you know, it was kind of the, well, you know, you got to do something, you got to pick a major. And it was, you know, late 90s, early 2000. Every, everything was, you know, dot com and, you know, that I, remember, bubble. I remember those days. Yeah. So I was like, hey, and I, and I do like technology and computers and things, but what had happened was I ended up going to school for that and then realized again, being an entrepreneur and, you know, kind of throw the, the, the label out there being a hustler. Right. <laughs> so, hey, um, so while it, I was it with pride, man. Yeah. I mean, so while I was going to school, you know, I, I started this job in wireless sales and, and this wasn't like wireless as we know it today, where everybody's just walking around with a phone and their, their eyeballs mm-hmm. glued to it. This was like late nineties, Um, you know, like if you had one of these things, you were, you were pretty, um, pretty badass, you know, right. So, you know, and we, we, you know, it was was a couple hundred bucks a month. So I I got a job selling these things and they were installed in the car, these, these big ass phones. And, um, you know, it it was a grind and, and it was fun. Like, so I would come in, it was just an outside sales job. So it was like literally a bunch of kids and most of them, you know, went, home and, you know, did nothing or, you know, blew off the day. And I'd come back with all these contracts for, you know, companies to say, Hey, I only sold five phones today. I sold and the money at that time, because it wasn't such a commodity, mm-hmm. the money was good. I mean, yeah, you know, they yeah. were, you know, so they were, they were paying us, you know, a hundred, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks a clip, you know, for these phones. And I, I'd come sell 10 in a day. And um, so I quickly, um, you know, started to work my way rank up the ranks at that company, um, became the number one sales rep. Um, then I did have, you know, like I said, the, the degree and I, I thought, well, wow, you know, I think I'm supposed to like go get a job, but I'm making, you know, at 20, you know, 21 years old, you mm-hmm. know, 80 to $100,000. Yeah. Um, 
So, and then I started to explore that world of, you know, what does it look like to get a job in this industry? And uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't very well suited for an extroverted entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> You know, they're like, yeah, well, once everybody in the company leaves, you'll come in at night and work through the night and get the network up. I was like, wait, there's not gonna be any people. I have to do mm-hmm. this all night and weekends and like not, nobody's here. So, um, so I kind of, you know, skipped that gig. Um, and then, you know, kind of having the background and, and coming from, you know, my family, it wasn't in line with going to college and, and doing things. And I thought, you know, I just, this is cool like this money's good, but it was important to me to, to actually continue my degree. So I did go, uh, and I got my, uh, bachelor of the arts in organizational business management. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I thought, you know what, if this, if this gig doesn't work out, let me just, you know, not get blinded by, you know, making a couple bucks now, let me get this, this degree. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did go on and get my bachelor's and, um, I did that all again while, while staying at this, um, this wireless job, which at that time, man, it was, it was good money for, for a kid my age. And yeah, um, that's kind of crushing it back then. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, it's like at college, you know, the kids were scraping together a couple bucks to buy the keg. And I thought, this is silly. How about I'll just buy the keg and you guys give me five bucks a cup, you know, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> what are we doing here? This is, this is a good business model. So, you know, and it was, so that was really, um, you know, where for me, it just started to click. All right. Well, you know, and, and the, having that business background, the organizational business management degree, um, it, it did serve me and it, and it does still serve me to this day. So I'm glad that I did continue on that path. But, um, you know, certainly most of what I do today in the mortgage business uh, is self-taught and, you know, trial by fire, kind of learning as you go along the way. So how's mortgage been for you recently? Uh, because, you know, I'm in, uh, I'm in real estate, so I'm on the, on the uh, input side of your business, so to speak. But uh, we've been, uh, we've had probably the busiest year ever due to, uh, due to the, the market shifting from COVID. And so what's, what's going on in your neck of the woods with mortgages, man? I mean, the same thing, right? Our businesses are, are complementary. So the mortgage business, I mean, it, it has been absolutely insane. I, I've been doing this for 17 years. I uh, was fortunate enough to have the insight to, along with a really great partner, open up my own business. Um, and, uh, you know, after 17 years of kind of, you know, working at different places, we um, decided to open up our own shop. And, glad that we did because you know lo and behold a year later we would probably have the the best and busiest time ever in the mortgage industry with um covid and and the pandemic and what that did to interest rates i mean it really brought interest rates to the lowest levels we've ever seen in history so Mm -hmm. we were very blessed uh, and still are to be crushing it i mean you know it's just been a great year Dude, where does it where does it go from here? That's what worries me. I mean, I've in in my entire career in real estate, I've always kind of shied away from new builds, and uh, I've sold one new build house my entire career. And this year, um, out of eight houses I've sold, six of them have been new builds. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's you know the only the only real way to get us out out of this 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 market is you know you know I hate to say the word but you know either potentially a correction a crash. Mm-hmm. hopefully correction hopefully correction more than crash and, yeah, and when no i doubt. say that, 
you know, when I say that, I, people immediately associate, you know, crash 2008. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, we're going to see anything like that. People were way over leveraged. I mean, they didn't have the equity that they have today. Um, you, you know, from the mortgage perspective, people were getting into homes with, you know, literally no money down right, already yeah, right. over leveraged. Yeah. Over leveraged in a market that was already peaked. So, you know, but maybe a correction of some sorts, maybe, uh, you know, we see interest rates start to, to climb a little bit to, to start to, you know, correct some of this market. I, I don't know, but the only other thing that gets us out of this is the new builds, dude. I mean, that's yeah. it. You know, we need inventory and, um, you know, hopefully we don't see a correction or a crash or anything. I don't know, but something has to give. And, and if the only thing that we get is just new builds, then, then that'd be a win. So, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it's crossed. just crazy. Yeah. I mean, our MLS right now is sitting at about 30% of the inventory we usually have. Um, there's just, there's just nothing out here to buy. So, uh, I think we'll see, uh, I think we'll see the weeding out of some uh, weaker agents here shortly. Now, I want to just backtrack a little bit. And you said you had worked um, 16, 17 years in the business before you jumped out and started on your own. Was there was there a critical point? Was there an event? Was there something in life that said, you know what, I'm ready to go do this by myself? What, what was it that caused you to just jump out of that and put you know all your eggs into your own basket and set fire to it? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, well, you know, you, you work at different places, um, whether you're in, you know, the mortgage business, such as myself, or any, any career or business. And, um, you know, after, after a certain amount of time, I mean, unless you're, you're very blessed, and you just end up at some place where you, you work forever and retire, which I think in, in this uh, new age, and, you know, with technology and, and the way things evolve, it's rare, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't go get that, that one job, get the, you know, good pay, good benefits, and just stay forever. I mean, companies are downsizing, merging, um, you know, going offshore, industries are being disrupted by technology. So I think, you know, what I had seen was, okay, I was here for three years, and things were great. And then an event happened, and it sucked. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, now we need to pivot. Where am I going? And let's look around. Let's do the, you know, the dance with the, who's going to, you know, offer us the best package. And then yeah. we land there, we land there and, you know, get a good run for three, five. I mean, I, I wasn't one to hop around. I mean, I, I was, um, you know, the last place before this, I was there for 10 years, but, you know, it was like, you just start to see things change and, when things aren't in your control, it's, it's tough, you know, to see management make changes or, uh, you know, the external forces of the industry in general, right. We have in my industry, your industry, right. All these tech players that are, yeah, are changing the game, right. The, oh, the Zillow's, yeah. the Redfin, you know, so, so I, I, I have, you know, just really, I saw, commoditization if that's a the appropriate word i guess of an industry in that wireless industry where you know a kid literally you know out of high school came in well, worked my ass off i mean don't get me wrong when we did outside sales half the kids were like you know we were like 18 19 years old yeah mm -hmm. we're like i mean there was no base pay so it was like there was no risk to that company right it's like go sell go do what you want 
and it was all in your drive. And, you know, some people would be like, oh, dude, you know, I'm just going to cut out and, you know, I was home all day smoking weed and it's like, well, that's stupid. I made a thousand bucks. What are you coming to work for? You know, like, why yeah. would you, you know? So it was like, so, but anyway, if you were good and you had drive and uh, like I did at the time, you, you made good money. I mean, and you know, then I got towards like the tail end of that industry where it was like the mid, you know, the iPhone came out mm -hmm. and things happened and I saw it start to get commoditized and it was like, well, we're going to pay you, you know, $200 a unit. Well, we're going to pay you a hundred dollars a unit. Then it was like, well, we're going to pay you $30 a unit. And then it was like, and you have to bolt on text messaging and internet service. And it was yeah. just like, they kept raising the bar, changing the industry to now, you know, if you're in that industry, you know, the pay is, is a fraction of what it was, right? Because you're, you're an order taker, uh, in a sense, if you're in, if you're in the retail, you know, version of that, um, environment, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Sitting, I mean, I literally sat at a mall kiosk and, and would make, you know, a thousand bucks a day or something oh, wow. like it was, yeah, it was crazy, you know? And so, so I started to see, and I'm starting to see our industry, you know, maybe it's having that, you know, kind of hindsight and saying, wait a minute, you know, am I going to become a commodity if, if I don't have control and I'm not able to adapt to this changing marketplace? So that was really the, uh, you know, the reason for, for us to decide to go out on our own. We kept seeing little changes within the industry. Um, you know, last year was a, a phenomenal year uh, given interest rates. But prior to that, uh, there was this word margin compression that I don't, I don't think I've heard that term more in a 12 month period than I had in my lifetime about the mortgage industry and margin compression and, and compensation coming down because, you know, these big tech players are going to put constraint on, on, you know, what people are paying because they're going to cut costs and, and do it bigger, better, faster. So we went out and said, I said, look, I've kind of seen this before. So I want to be in a position to be in control, to control my costs, to control my margins um, and really deliver, you know, a product that's superior that somebody else, you know, a manager, a company owner, isn't going to screw this up. Right. right. Like I know, you know, I want to be in control and I'm okay, you know, holding the bag if I'm in control and shit hits the fan well, I have nobody to blame but myself. And I'm okay with that, knowing that I'm going to fix it. I'm going to find a solution and get the issue resolved because, you know, every problem has a solution and it, it may not be pretty. It may not be, you know, this perfect, uh, you know, picture that you're going to have, we're going to come out of this and everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Right. Like, Sometimes it sucks, right? But <laughs> <laughs> but one way or another, like the sun will come up tomorrow, right? Like for better or worse, like life will go on. So you, you shit's going to hit the fan and I want it to be in control. Uh, and I want to be responsible when that happens to be able to course correct. I don't want somebody else making those decisions for me. And if we are, um, and I do think we are uh, in an industry where we do have to be mindful of, where things are heading with technology and, and what the future looks like for guys like you and I. I, mean, I there's, doubt, there's... Dude. Yeah. We, we should touch on that for a little bit because, um, you know, some people will know some won't that, um, in a few States now, Zillow actually has its real estate broker's license. What do you, in Pennsylvania, they do absolutely. what do you see the future of, uh, 
of realtors and Zillow being now because this has been a, a beast that realtors have funded. Um, realtors listings make Zillow. Uh, realtors pictures make Zillow. Um, realtors make Zillow. And now Zillow's taken all that data and has put itself in a position to uh, really squeeze these guys out of the business. Now, for one, I see maybe something like a Geico model come in to where they've got all these licensed agents just in call centers handling calls and setting appointments. And um, people are doing more and more stuff by themselves. And the reason I, I think that might work, and a, a lot of people said no, the reason I think it might work is um, before COVID, I signed every deal in person. I did everything with wet ink on paper. I had original copies of everything. And the minute we started working again after after COVID, you know, after the initial couple of weeks and people kind of got used to it, the minute we started working again, everything was DocuSign. Um, I have listed a house. The last house I listed, I didn't even go inside it. The owner sent me the pictures. Everything was DocuSign. And it, it, it's on the market. And just because of the state of the market, it sold in two days. Um, sure. But, you know, I, I see things moving to, to where realtors and, and mortgage brokers are becoming more and more squeezed, and we have to really focus on giving value uh, over anything. I mean, what do you think the next five years looks like in real estate? I, I mean, I think that you better be, you know, working on your game. You know, you better be the best of the best because, like you said, you know, right now, you know, you know, we've seen markets like this in the past. It's everything is cyclical. Mm -hmm. uh, no offense to my real estate partners, including yourself. Um, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but you know, but but you know, I see these posts on my, on my social feeds, and it's like sold in two days over asking, and I'm like, it's nothing to yeah, do with so us. We didn't. Do that. <laughs> so is every so is everything right? That's like me saying like. Hey, I closed at the lowest interest rate ever. Yeah, because yeah. like the market dealt me that hand. Honestly, a market like this makes me an order taker. There's, there's yeah. It, and you're competing against five, six other offers. You got to go in and hope. And um, like when I'm selling houses, they just we list them, they sell. Right. There's no, yeah. And that's there's, there's no finesse. There's no work. I'm I'm not even building campaigns and landing pages on stuff right now. I just put it up and it sells. Yeah. So, you just yeah. yeah, and that's you know. So this market is, has everybody a little delusional, right? So you, you don't. I'm, I'm a little worried, <laughs> but I'm riding yeah. it while it's still there. You know, uh, you and me both. You know, I, I, you know, it's been. I've seen enough cycles in this business where you know, stack your cash. You know, cash is going to be king if if yeah. things do uh, take a turn, and and that's where the strong will survive, and that's that's what I love about it because you have the opportunity to just, okay, the market shifts, all these people that thought they were great because they listed a house and it sold in two days for over asking, are going to realize like, Oh, that wasn't me. Yeah. No, it wasn't you. Blind luck. Susan. Yeah. So when they leave, you know, that's when I think uh, there's still the opportunity there for people that invest, invest in their business that run their business, like a business. I think, I, I think you've got a, a long run still left in, in mortgage and real estate because there's just really nothing that can replace service, you know, and communication because Sam, let's say you have a settlement today mm -hmm. and you do your walkthrough in the morning, you've got settlement at noon and you walk in the house and the basement's flooded. Something happened, the pipe burst, the basement's flooded. If you, are a Zillow, what do you do? 
what service does that client have? Who do they turn to? How do they get that solved yeah. efficiently, efficiently to get to closing by noon? If they're working with Sam, you're going to start calling contractors. You're going to, you're going to figure this out. You're going to, you're going to boom. You're going to go into negotiation mode. Who's paying for it? Who's fixing it? Yeah. How do we- I, that not only that, but I've got another agent standing right there next to me on the other side of the deal. That's, that's working towards the same goal. We work together on it. You know, there's, there's two professionals doing nothing, but working all day to close that deal. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what, what do I think? I think that, that the Zillow's, the, whoever else is the Redfin, you know, I think Amazon will get into the space eventually. You know, I think that they will take the cookie cutter, they're going to take a slice of the pie, you know, and they're going to take the cookie cutter transactions that can just go down the conveyor belt in my industry, in your industry, mm-hmm. you know, where, where it's, you know, some mortgages for me it really requires a technical level to really understand it. And the guy's got three businesses, he's got, you know, rental income, he's got all these, you know, different things to figure out. It, it takes a skill set. You know, a guy comes in, you know, guy, girl, whatever, and they're, you know, W2, 800 credit score, you know, they don't have any consumer debt. It's like, it, it takes me literally five minutes to qualify that person. So right. those people, you know, should I be paid the same as sitting here putting together? It's probably not, you know, <laughs> if, if you're going to, if you're going to call it what it is. Right. But um, so I was, I was make- sort of like, if there's a hard one, then the easy one makes up for it, you know, and all kinds of levels off. Cause you know, some clients I'll work with for, for 10 hours and some clients I work with for 50 hours, you know, just, yeah. And, 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 you know, but you can, you can carve out, you know, maybe a, a section that we're just, I don't touch anything. It just goes through, but the cool thing about what we do and, and the other part of why I went out on my own was we were able to control our margins and we're an independent mortgage broker. So we work with the best wholesale lenders in the country in order to get clients really aggressive pricing. So, yeah, you know, maybe I didn't, I didn't, you know, put in as much work for that, you know, cookie cutter deal, but I'm able to also offer them incredible rates and fees to where there's still a ton of value in them working with us. And, uh, you know, I think the big tech players are, you know, they, they've, they've got big overhead. So um, that's the truth. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, my, my fear is, you know, they, you, you have companies that can raise a lot of capital that can afford to burn a lot of capital. Right. So mm-hmm. Amazon is a perfect example of that. You know, they burned cash, they burned hundreds of millions of dollars to grab market share, got more investor money, more investor money, and then boom, they flipped the switch. Uh, if one of those players was in the mortgage space could be, you know, if Zillow decided to, Hey, we're just going to do mortgages for the next year. We're going to do them at a loss. We're going to burn a ton of cash. And then once we have the market share, then we'll charge the rates and fees that are appropriate for the, I don't know, but (laughs) all I know, (laughs) all I know now is, you know, basically what we do at my company and, and just my philosophy in business is we just treat people right. Communication is the most important thing in our business. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we do utilize technology to, to make sure that we are competing with the, you know, click button, get mortgage, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like. You gotta have it. You gotta have it. Click button, get house, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but you can, you know, we've got some pretty cool tools and, you know, we make it easy for people. 
And, um, you know, but that's, that's really been what's, what served me well is just always being kind of transparent and just, just being real with people. And I think that really uh, just makes all the difference in the world. And, and, you know, one of the things is we just don't, I don't bullshit people, you know, it's like, sometimes you got to tell people what they unfortunately don't want to hear, but if that's the reality kind of going back to what I said earlier, like, look, you have a problem. You're going to, you, the day will go on. You're going to get out of it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. It's got to get resolved. It might not be the outcome that you want, but you know, if your house, you're buying a house and it appraised $50,000 below the asking price. Well, what are we going to sit here and bitch about it? Or are we going to figure out, do you, you know, are, are we going to renegotiate? Yeah. Are we going to walk away? At the end of the day, you know, one of like three things is going to happen. So we, we, we just need to put a plan together and figure out which one of those three directions we're heading in and not get overwhelmed or, you know, lost in the, in the fact that, that we have a problem. Like, yeah, we do. Like now let's figure out a solution. I, th I think a lot of business owners miss that in that I'm, I'm not being paid to sell you stuff. I'm not being paid to sell you a house. You're not being paid to create a mortgage. We're being paid to solve problems step by step and guide people through processes and, and eliminate yeah. the pain points for them. So, uh, and, and that's, you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, el eliminate the pain points and understand, you know, really, I stumbled into the mortgage business, as I told you, you know, at a, at a, for me, having come from, you know, very humble background, uh, you know, may, may not be a lot of money to some people, but for where I came from, you know, at, you know, 19, 20 years old, you know, making 60, 80 to hundred grand, that was sick. I mean, that was oh, like, yeah. you know, like that, that was, that was, that was unbelievable money, uh, especially living and growing up where I did. I mean, if you probably took that money and, made it in orange county it might be like a you know milkshake and fries but nah. you know it's um you know where where we were like that was more than you know many people's parents made and um, yeah yeah for sure and so i took that money and going back to that entrepreneur you know i started to invest in real estate it was the boom so uh some of it was dumb luck you know i, I bought this house fixed it up and flipped it, it again mm -hmm. We put, you know, it was anybody could have did it at that time, but at least I had the guts to put my money where my mouth was, take the risk at, you know, at a young age, um, you know, bought my first house when I was 21. Uh, and so I, I did start to get into real estate, buying and flipping houses and, and doing those things. And, and through that, I indirectly ended up partners with someone in a small mortgage company at the time, had no idea what I was doing, stumbled into the business terrible partnership, like just really was, was not a good fit. Um, but I learned a lot in the business. So, you know, again, you, you just learn from each one of these mistakes and, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I mean, I shouldn't even say terrible partnership, right. It was, it was a, it was a great learning experience on what not to do. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, most, most business partnerships, uh, end in great experiences on learning what not to do, at least in my experience of partnerships. But um, man, they call it failing forward. You'll, you'll never get anywhere if you don't take the risk. So uh, yeah, good for you for getting uh, getting out yeah. of this. So is that? Yeah. What is? Uh, talk to me for just a second more about first choice mortgage. What's your long term goals for the company? Where do you see it going from here? So our company is a unique company in that both myself and and my business partner, we are still on the front lines 
if you called today and said you wanted a mortgage with first choice mortgage advisors, you would either, if you came in through one of my referral sources, you know, realtors, past clients, which is where we get 95% of our businesses from past clients and our realtor referral partners. Uh, and, and my partner, Ken Pitts, he's the same way. He's built out a great business for himself. He's got probably seven or eight more years in the business than I do. Um, we enjoy being on the front lines. You would call and you'd speak to either Ken or myself and, and you would, we'd have an initial consult. Then we have some team members that are going to gather your information, you know, get everything ready. It's almost like kind of going to the doctor, right? The nurse is going to ask you a few questions, <laughs> yeah. get you ready. And then like once, once they know what's up, the doc's going to walk in, boom, boom, boom. All right, this is what we're doing. And then, you know, the doc can step out and the nurses can, can finish up the visit. So that's kind of how we've designed our business with tools and systems and amazing people. We just have amazing people behind us. And so we're unique. And I say all this in that most people think, okay, you go start a mortgage company or a real estate company mm -hmm. and you want to go out and you want to find a bunch of loan officers to, to stack underneath of you so that you can make this override off of all these people yep. and, and sit back and drink Mai Tais on the beach it is somewhere. It's so hard. It's like herding cats. I did it with realtors. Right. I did it with realtors I have found, mm -mm. I have found, and I've been 17 years, I've run, you know, big teams. I've tried to run a region. Um, it's just not what I enjoy. It is like herding cats. I kudos to anybody who can motivate a 100% commission salesperson. It is, <laughs> I find it to be unbelievably uh, difficult. Uh, you know, it's, it's like this weird reverse dynamic where you're their boss, but really they perceive it as you should be lucky I'm working for you because I make you all this money and you don't pay me shit, right? And it's like, well, <laughs> Man. minus, minus the, the long nights and like shit ton of money that I've invested in the infrastructure of this company for you to be are here and you, make are your you money. Are you sure you've never worked with realtors? <laughs> yeah, I work with them quite often. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, so we, uh, you know, where do we see the future of the company? Yeah. Um, both myself and Ken are unique in that we're not trying to be this conglomerate monster company where we're going out and, Hey, we've got a hundred loan officers here. We're going to be nationwide. Um, the biggest thing for me, um, 41 years old, and I've been blessed with this entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial mindset drive. And it has been amazing. It has opened up doors that I never thought would have been possible in my life. Mm -hmm. But it's also been a curse. Um, and I'll talk to you about the curse is, I can't, you know, slow down, shut it off. Like when Cassie's does it still, it doesn't but, stop. Yeah, when, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. When, Just when does up. it stop? So <laughs> it does, it, it does. Doesn't. That's a, I, I've found, I've connected with some amazing people that have really helped me find that. So for us, the future of the company is we'll continue to grow our production. I mean, if you, you know, looked at my production or my partner's production, we are in the top 1% of loan officers in the country, uh, you know, and the volume that we do, is significantly more than most people in our industry. And what we do is as that volume grows, we get more people behind us, more great mm -hmm. people to service that. So I'll continue to always drive the business and, uh, and, and Ken is the same way. And we'll have our team, if that team needs to grow to, to deliver the service level that our clients demand, our realtors, our referral partners, 
you know, we will just continue to build out our team. So where do we, the business will go is, you know, we hope to continue to, to drive market share, to, to bring in new opportunities, but I'll always be on the, on the front lines with an amazing team that's able to, to help me really gain the freedom to have a life. And that's been the most important by far, you know, change. And in, in 2015, I connected up with a group, give them a plug here for anybody that's in the industry called the freedom club. Uh, it's a mortgage coaching group and they really um, understand the pain of, of somebody in our industry. And the pain is it's nonstop. It's 24 seven. It's, you know, when do people want to look at houses and, and oh, put in offers God, yeah. nights and weekends, right? Like yeah. they don't want nine to five, they're working. So how do you, how do you have a life? Because look, if I could just work, if I knew that's what it was, I was like, well, I'm only going to work nights and weekends. Then that's cool. I could say to my family, Hey, we've got all day. We're going to go to the park. We're going to go do this. But the difference is I fucking work all day, right? Mm, in the mortgage yeah. business, like I'm dealing with banks, the banks are open nine to five. So I need, my team needs to work during the day. So I've worked all day, Monday through Friday, and then the weekend hits and you damn realtors, you want all this shit on the weekends, right? So, uh, so then now it's like from a loan officer's perspective, like where is, there's no downtime, right? There's, unless you build out the systems right. to, ena to enable people on your team to handle things, and really give them the empower them to do that. So delegating and empowering my team has has given me freedom to be able to live and have a life. I mean, I, I very rarely take calls at nights and on the weekends, and I don't have anybody that misses that I'm not doing that. Everybody's taken care of. We have follow up systems. People know it. You know, if if they need anything, how to reach us, how to get started. Um, we have a, you know, someone that answers the phone 24 seven, that'll take, take the messages, get them where they need to go. So we put people in place to, um, to really give us the ability to have a life. And that's been the biggest game changer for me. Um, you know, in, in life is yeah, no doubt. Real, realizing that you, you don't get time back. Right. Absolutely. And that's, it, it's so, it's shockingly similar to what, what I've built here because, you know, I had a, I had a big team a couple of years ago called Big Ish and um, it, it wasn't, it didn't fit what I wanted to do. It was constant work. And I, I, I pulled back off of that and instead of building a team of agents, I built a front end team um, that handles the leads and the follow up and the appointment setting and all the inbound stuff. And then I built a back end team that handles all the paperwork. And so my yep. time, my time's free to serve my clients and be with my clients and and do the stuff like recording podcasts. And then every day at uh, at three o'clock, I take off and I go pick up my kids and I'm I'm with them till five thirty or six. And then I go back to work after that in the evenings. And you know, it's it's that way I can serve my clients in the evenings, but I still get my family time. And it it, it all balances out, man. But that whole uh, that whole myth of just working for the sake of working, man, that that really hurts. <laughs> Yeah, no, I did. I did it for a lot of years, and and it, and it, you know, it damaged a lot of relationships, and and you know, missed out on a lot of things. And uh, I, you know, not perfect at it. Still struggle. Still, still, you know. Again, yeah, none, you, none of us are though. You can't change your DNA, right? Like you, you yeah. know, you can try, but just, just over time, just over time, right? So, um, yeah. 
dude i'm really uh i'm really digging where this conversation's going but i want to switch gears uh for just a minute sure. you are the host of the fuel podcast that's something that um that's how we met was through the uh, the podcasting association that we're both members of um tell me a little bit about your journey in podcasting dude how did you get into podcasting yeah, sure. I, well, fuel for me and kind of, I don't think I closed the thread on the mortgage business. And, and just like what you said right now with, with how you structured your, your real estate team, you know, uh, my clients are, are best served, you know, when I'm doing what I do best and I, I'm communicating with them, I'm solving problems. I jump in at that laser focus point in time where they really need that conversation with me. Um, I understand their needs. I listen to, you know, everything that they're telling me, their story, and then I help them find a solution. Exactly. Um, you know, and then, then from there, if, if I go beyond that, I'm, I'm not doing the rest of, you know, any of my future clients or even those clients, I'm, I'm not doing them any service. I'm actually, mm -hmm. you know, taking away from what I can be contributing. So, um, fuel, the podcast kind of falls in line with, with the same thing. I'm, I'm really meeting people, hearing their stories. Fuel stands for foundations under extraordinary lives. And we meet with basically, you know, men and women, business professionals, high level athletes, people that are performing in some area of, of life at a high level and I have just conversations with them. I listen to them. I hear their stories. And my goal is to share their stories to empower other people to live their best life, right? To, to take Dude, their that. game up a notch. Yeah. And so it was a natural fit. Um, I just kind of stumbled into it and, um, you know, thought, hey, this would be cool. I really love talking with people you know, listening to their stories and providing solutions. And the solutions are being indirectly provided to the listeners, right? The, the person. Yeah, that's, that's why, that's exactly why we do it. You know, I think it's yeah. sharing what we've learned and saying that, you know, it's a, it's a hard road, but you're not walking down it alone more than anything. Yeah. yeah. And so for, for me, it was like a natural transition. Um, you know, I said, I stumbled into the mortgage business, you know, it happens to be the vehicle that, you know, drives to the bank and deposits the money, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 but it could have been anything, you know, it's, it's just that connection to people, that authenticity and really uh, giving a shit to, to hear somebody's story and, and want to help them. So the podcasting was a natural fit. It was, it's such a cool medium to be able to like connect with people. And I mean, it's just been so fun. We've had so many cool guests on the podcast. Um, you know, if you see, I see a few back there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got this like, um, signed football from one of our guests, um, Vince Papali, uh, Vince was the star. Well, he was the basis for the movie, the Disney movie invincible. Oh and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and Mark Wahlberg played Vince in the movie and Vince just had this underdog story, this, you know, just great. He was, he walked onto the team, the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a nobody. He was a 30 year old rookie, just walked in, open tryouts, made the team, ended up being the captain total. You know, if you've seen the movie, Rudy, have, or, yeah. you know, yeah. You know, like one of those, just like, just crazy stories, but it's real. Um, so Vince was on our podcast. We've had, um, so Tim Agali, who's, who's another Super Bowl champion. I've had, 
he played for the Patriots, although as an Eagles fan, you know, not, not too fond of the Patriots. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, you know, we, so we've had some great guests. We've had business, um, you know, entrepreneurs and leaders on our show. And, you know, really the goal of Fuel is that our listeners can tap into the podcast and find their fuel, find their, you know, the foundations under their, their live to really, you know, make a change. Just look at, you know, examine the things that have happened to you. Uh, own them. You know, I, I've had, uh, you know, a ton of just, you know, if you were to to list it out on a page and say, yeah, here, this happened to me uh, as a kid uh, throughout my life. Uh, you know, people would say, dude, that, that is awful. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I feel so, I feel so bad for you. It's Jesus Christ. Like, you know, what, how are you even saying? And, you know, it, it's, it's not, it is what it is. Like I own it. And, and it's those little um, you know, building blocks to my foundation that have led me to where I am today. Um, and they're not always pretty, you know, that's, that's the point I think it, as what we're talking about today, right. The, the yeah. failures, yeah. the shit that happens, it, 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 you can either let it crush you, take you out of the game, or you can, you know, to kind of use the term, you can let it fuel you. And you know, that's Absolutely. what, that's what I've done. And that's what we do on the podcast. Dude, I see the major difference between those that win and those that lose is the, the tenacity to overcome adversity. Every single person that, that wins has got stories of loss after loss after loss. And, you know, yeah, I've, um, I've, myself included, I just try not to stack too many of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, losing sucks, right? It doesn't feel good, but you just, you know, if, if you, if you take a couple of losses, you gotta, you gotta examine it and pull, you know, one, one of my coaches and, and mentors, uh, Satema Gali is, uh, again, he's, uh, uh, won the Super Bowl with the Patriots mm-hmm. played with Tom Brady. Um, just a, a phenomenal guy. He, he runs a coaching and mentorship program now. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest lessons that I took from Satema was to, he, he called it find the gift, and it was like, Hey man, when something really bad or you know, really shitty happens, there's always a gift. And if you just take a look, step back, take a, take a deep breath, whatever it is in that situation. And you can extract the gift from that, what you're, you know, cause it's all a story, right? It's yeah. all in your head. Yeah, like you can, sure. Oh my gosh, this happened. And now this, now everything's going to be over. Like, that's all just, just a story that's playing in your head. You can, you can, you can hit the stop button. You can reframe it. And, you know, that was one of the things that Satema was great at. It was just framing and creating that mindset to, you know, find the gift. And, and when shit happens, you just look for the gift and you'll find it and you'll be like, oh, and, and it's not going to make the situation better. It's not just this magic pill, right? This like, like you may still be in knee deep in shit, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? But somewhere in there, you can pull a gift out. So next time, you know, or whatever it is, you're better, you're bigger, better, faster, stronger, whatever it is. Um, so find the gift, you know, when, when shit happens. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I love that attitude. All right. I got one more question for you and then we got to wrap up. Yeah, but man. I asked this to all my guests and, uh, you know, I've, I've got some listeners that are a little bit further along in business than others. I've got some listeners that are just now getting started out. So uh, before we finish, Chris, what's one piece of advice that you would want everybody that was starting a business of their own? What's what's one thing you would wish you could reach out and just tell everybody one piece of advice for that guy starting up? Stay in your lane. Delegate. You know, don't try to do it all. Know what you're good at, your strengths, your weaknesses, and delegate your weaknesses. Uh, I love you know, that. 
yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's been the, the biggest game changer for me. Um, and look, you, don't, you may not always have the money or the means to do it. Uh, you know, let's say you're a real estate agent and you've got those lovely, um, you know, Texas Ranger schedules, the baseball schedules to get out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like maybe you can't afford an assistant. Well, maybe you've got kids, maybe you've got nieces and nephews, like just delegate whatever it is. And if you have the means to do it higher and it'll be a game changer. Yeah, that's some solid advice there. Thank you so much. Chris Swartz, thanks for coming on, man. It's been my absolute pleasure hanging out and interviewing you this last uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, it really has. I'm looking forward to, yeah, uh, to hanging out and chatting more in the future. So, guys, that was uh, the Chris Chris Schwartz, he is the host of the Fuel podcast and managing partner of First Choice Mortgage Advisors. Chris, real quick, where can the guys get a hold of you and find your stuff online, man? Yeah, absolutely. You can connect with me, um, you know, on Facebook, any of the social media platforms, you know, just, just look up Chris Schwartz, S-W-A-R-T-Z. Uh, that's key. Everybody wants to put the C-H in there. So Chris, <laughs> S-W-A-R-T-Z. I'm on all the social media platforms. Uh, you can find the Fuel Podcast at thefuelstory.com. Uh, and you know, if I can help you out on the mortgage side, we're licensed in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Throw the legal compliance in there, NMLS ID 39641. <laughs> uh, but you can check us out at firstchoicemortgageadvisors.com. So easy to find. I'd love to connect with you, um, whether it's you know anything mortgage related uh, or business related. I just love to connect with people and, and hear their stories and, and help them out. So look forward, just, just reach out. You'll be able to find me on any of those areas or platforms. Dude, that's badass. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. And guys, once again, you can check him out over on uh, on Facebook and look him up at the, uh, the Fuel podcast there. All right, um, we will be back on Friday for another Friday Fire. But from me and from Chris, that's it for the Small Business Surgeon today. We'll catch you guys later in a week. Thank you. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.